the free for all roundtable. Round two. On round two, Richard Krause is here, host of the podcast, Last Call with Richard Krause. Robert Benzi is here, Queen's Park Bureau Chief for the Toronto Star, and Sunira Chaudhry is an employment lawyer at Workley Law. Good morning to you all, and boy, what a busy day it was at Queen's Park. Robert, I'll start with you, because it's your wheelhouse. And I expected a lot of the things that happened yesterday to happen. I didn't expect the NDP were going to give Sarah Jamma the boot, but so they did. Yeah, I mean, I, it's one of these things that's been festering for two weeks. I mean, Mart Stahls, the NDP leader, gave Ms. Jamma four chances uh, to to uh, to sort of be a team player, and Ms. Jamma chose a different route, as is her right. Um, uh, she, uh, I, I mean, she did a lot of things unilaterally, and I and and it was starting to tick off the NDP. Uh, there's a false narrative, though, that's building on social media, John, go figure, that that somehow she is a martyr to free speech when that's she wasn't kicked out of the NDP. She was censored for her views on Israel, for sure, by the Tory-led legislature, but she was kicked out of the uh, NDP for insubordination. I mean, she just was defying the leader. And in caucus uh, politics, you can't do that. When Roman Baber was kicked out of the, to- out of the Tories by Doug Ford, uh, it was for defined leader, and that was after one hour. Uh, Sarah Jama had two weeks of, uh, of of antics before she was finally uh, turfed. Now, is there any other history, though, of somebody being silenced in the House and having this motion passed where the Speaker won't recognize you? Yeah, Randy Hillier last year, uh, independent MPP. Um, that was the first one I recall, and... Uh, the NDP supported that, and so did the Tories. And he was uh, he was censored for comments that he has he had made about Federal Transport Minister Omar Al Gabra that uh, some felt were Islamophobic. So uh, he was censored, and then so the motion, the Tories' motion on Sarah Jama was modeled on the Randy Hillier motion. So there was a little bit of uh, sort of it's uh, uh, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, except that it when it isn't. So this was uh, this was a very similarly worded motion that they the NDP and chose to vote against, and the Liberals uh, abstained. The Tories used their majority to get her censored. So I guess it's like that uh, World War II poem. First they came for Randy Hillier, and we said nothing. <laughs> okay, Sunira, there is a spectrum of political positions and philosophical positions that people can have about Israel and Palestine. And I'm not sure when we get to the nexus where you, it is completely unacceptable, but certainly I think that uh, Sarah Jama jumped right past that. I think there's a spectrum, of course, John. We, we've we've seen it all unfold or unravel might be the better term uh, on social media with varying consequences, right? We've we've seen a, a number of individuals face pretty serious consequences. This is a serious one, and I, I can see why Sarah Jama has supporters. I can also see why her position would spark uh, those to be her detractors. But I, I think her issue primarily um, is that she made herself the story. This isn't at all about her leadership of Hamilton Center. That is a a footnote to what she is doing uh, or what she did. I don't know that that was really top of mind or front of mind for her. And this quickly got away from uh, her leadership. And and really, um, I, I think as the week sort of progressed, it really placed in question whether or not her personal views would really be at the forefront of, of uh, her, her political career rather than servicing those in Hamilton Centre. So um, I, I think that was a big issue for her. She became the story.
that's not a good thing for politicians to do. Yeah, and Richard Krauss, it consumed so much oxygen. It was mm -hmm. wearying. It was wearying, and I saw kind of the writing on the wall when she apologized and then pinned the original yeah. tweet to the top of her Twitter X feed. And that, to me, just was, uh, you know, that negated any uh, apology that said to me, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to voice whatever opinion I want, regardless of what my party thinks, regardless of what the House thinks, regardless of what anybody thinks. And it, it, for me, it's not exactly a, a free speech issue. For me, it's more about uh, being part of a team and working for the greater good. And I don't think that she did either of those things. I don't think she was uh, part of the team. I don't think that she was working for the greater good. And the people of Hamilton Center, I don't know, the, they are essentially without representation representation right now, but I'm not sure that they had great representation to begin with. The other people getting themselves into trouble, it would seem, are student unions, most prominently at York University and Toronto Metropolitan University. And Richard, I'll start with you on this one. I went to Concordia, uh, which was an especially political university body. And I'll never forget, every year they had a go at Israeli-Palestinian Friendship Day, and it always ended in a table getting flipped. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I think that uh, when you're in university, it is a time when you are uh, particularly uh, or can be particularly active. It's a time of growing social awareness. It's a time when you are creating uh, the, the sort of political stance that's probably going to stay with you beyond, you know, your your university years. Um, I wish that some of these statements that were coming out were a little bit more even-handed. Um, I think that might probably uh, make a lot of difference to, um, you know, the, the people that are calling uh, for apologies nonstop on Twitter every time one of these uh, letters gets released. Uh, but, I mean, this is what we can expect. We can expect people uh, in universities, they're young, they're passionate, they're uh, speaking their mind right or wrongly. Okay, Robert Benzie, it seems that the administrations are taking a pretty hard line here. I mean, at York, they're practically uh, talking about decertification. Well, I mean, I think, yeah, uh, to Richard's point, the, the, the student campuses have always been hotbeds of activism, and, and mostly this is a good thing. I think the, one of the problems we have now with a lot of t today's student activists, they seem almost like Maoists. Like, you, if you disagree with them, they they uh, you know freak out and and you're trying to silence me and I'm being censored and yada yada yada. I think the, I understand the the line that the, the the administrations are taking. I don't necessarily agree with it because I think sometimes these activists just crave the attention and you're just putting a magnifying glass on on them and they. And, and, in, and it's, it sort of speaks to our times where everyone would rather be the victim. You know, I'm the victim of this. I'm the victim of that. And I think that's the, the martyr complex that a lot of these student groups now seem to have. Their views are valid and, and should be heard, but they're not the last word on it by any, met, by any means. Okay, Nina, listen, let's keep moving because I want to get into this property business. And yesterday, the housing minister effectively, I mean, I'm trying to think of a scenario. I'll start with you on this one, but I'm trying to think of some way, something we can compare this to. It's just like anything they've done with land in the last few years now, they're going to undo. It's like somebody going through a cupboard and throwing every last item away. I mean, what a waste of time. And uh, and and on the Sarah Gemma issue, of course, uh, many believe this is what the, the Ford government is doing to 
to distract from what seems to be the unraveling of major policies on the land development side. Um, but I think what 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 individuals following the story, what we really need to be critical of are the costs associated with the Ford government rolling back um, these measures. I mean, municipalities are already asking, uh, in in some cases, up to four hundred thousand um, dollars in costs that they've incurred on for working on the green belt land removals. We know those costs are going to go up. This is something that I, I think uh, we need to watch closely because those costs are going to be covered by the government and by taxpayers. Yeah, and Robert Benzie. I mean, I guess you'd have to look at a map and know something about urban development, but not every single thing that was taken out of the green belt probably was a bad idea, and not every single extension of civic boundaries was a bad idea, but we're just quitting on this whole espolas. Exactly, John, and and Sunira is exactly right. This this has been a colossal waste of time, as it turns out, and a lot of money has been spent, and no houses have been built. And that, remember, that whole, the whole point of this was to uh, to build 1.5 million new homes by 2031. They're not going to get anywhere close to that uh, target. And in part, it's because they've been faffing about with all these uh, all these <laughs> schemes. And and I think the the but I think yesterday's flip flop, which was a real surprise to me, uh, and it's a huge one. And to do it Monday morning at 10 a.m. in the press studio with very little in the way of uh, supportive materials tells me that it was a panicked move. And I think that they were doing it because they the Mounties are investigating and they're just trying to clean up as much as they can, just on the off chance that when the Mounties do their probe, some things turn up that maybe they didn't know about. I'm not saying that the Tories have done anything illegal. I'm just saying that there may be some some something uh, some things out there that they don't know about it that they're worried about. Faffing about. I, I like know that. faffing is That's my excellent. new word of the day. Faffing about found out. <laughs> uh, Richard Krause, Heather Malik of the Star writes a column today that oozes ennui. Mm. And it's all about how maybe we have managed to ruin the intersection of young and Bloor. I, Not that it was a great intersection to begin with. No, it, it was never a great intersection, but it was uh, apparently for a time Canada's busiest intersection. Uh, it was a time when Elwood Glover was doing luncheon day just up the street. It was kind of a glamorous uh, time then. Uh, but now, and I live near there, I walked yeah. I walked through there every single day. Uh, it's depressing. You've got a building on the uh, southwest corner that looks like now maybe it's going to be another few years before they start work because it's gone bankrupt. Uh, the bay is gone. Uh, the That mall is uh, hellacious. There's just nothing much in it that's underneath there. Uh, the other corner is all uh, construction. And then the old Nordstrom is just sitting there empty, like, you know, uh, faffing about uh, with uh, <laughs> with with uh, nothing happening. It's depressing. Well, it I is... miss, I know nothing lasts, but I miss the sort of muse that used to be out Well, there. exactly. Right. And yeah. it should be, like, th- this should be one of the sort of jewels of the city. It's it's kind of, you know, right in smack dab in the middle of the city. We should have, uh, you know, a, a, a place that is a, um, a destination point. It, you want to go there because it's exciting. There's things to do. There's places to eat. There's, you know, bars to go to. There's shopping. And instead, it's just this dim, dark place that uh, feels like something out of Blade Runner. Okay, well, maybe we come back to a maxim I have, Sunira Chaudhry, that Toronto never met something that works that they can't screw up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, John, I mean, if, if you if you look just a few blocks south, right at Young and Dundas, it's not all that different. I mean, there's a huge retail yeah. 
space. I think it's the north uh, east corner. It's Furley's. Uh, this again is is a spot that many people who come to Toronto, I don't know why, but think they have to go to Young Dundas Square. <laughs> and, you know, there's not much to do there. Uh, and and it's, it's pretty sad that we see this just at, at, at Bloury and Young as well. But I think it's a signal that Toronto certainly hasn't rebounded all that quickly from the pandemic. We're going to see more uh, vacant spaces, retail spaces before we see, uh, I think, businesses filling up again. And I think it's because we're falling behind on people returning to the city for work. We're, we're really behind globally. And of course, the city's feeling the brunt of it. Yeah, walk south from Young and Bloor to Young and Dundas. And it's a sad it's monopoly. A sad, yeah. It sure Very is. Sad. And, Very sad. you know, you, you, you look at what that used to be, how vibrant it used to be, uh, the mom and pop businesses mixed in with some larger businesses, as it was an exciting place to go and now it's it's not and you know i just got back from a week in new york and i'll tell you they bounced back we have not thank you all good to have you this morning robert benzie richard kraus and sanira chaudhry faffing about a phrasal verb if you say that someone is faffing about or faffing around you mean they are doing things in a disorganized way and not achieving very much i like that Catch the round table, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.